This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. It's me, Simon Carvedy, with... Matthew Jones, I'm going to go with first. Boulder's great, more like. It, Am I it right? is, isn't it? It is. And also Matthew Perslow. Hello. There we go. It's lovely to have you both here. We are going to be talking more Baldur's Gate this week because, do you know what? It's kind of the only game that exists right now for anyone playing it, I think. I know, so, Dark and Darker went out into early access, but I'm not playing yeah. that at the minute because it's it's Baldur's Gate, baby. Exactly. I've gone a day and a half without playing Baldur's Gate and it's been quite hard. Yeah, me too. Although, Dark and Darker has gone out on some weird platform that's not Steam, right, because of all of the issues. So, It's a really play it? very complicated it? situation, yeah. <laughs> this uh, has gone very dark. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, we're going to talk about Baldur's Gate, and then I'm going to talk about Overwatch 2, because I haven't talked about Overwatch 2 in a while. Um, two very different ways to approach games, I think it's safe to say, but uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit like, about that later. But um, Baldur's Gate 3, eh? We're not going to... I don't think we'll talk quite as long as we did about it last week, but like, it's just... We haven't heard what, Matt, you've had to think about Baldur's Gate yet, but I think... I've played it at what, I'm like 25 hours in now, I've just... I'm a little bit into Act 2, and... This game just gets better and better. It's just, it's just. I don't know what more else to say than it hasn't failed me yet at any at any turn. Really, the thing yeah. that happened last night that made me realise that I love it is that the at the end of a quest line, um, there's like something. Somebody says something that like, "Oh, we'll just meet you at your camp later on tonight." And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Oh, that's cool." So like, there's just going to be somebody there that I can talk to. And no, what actually happens is there's like a blowout party with everybody that I've saved during the mission. I'm like, I hope this keeps happening. Like, how cool is that for there to be like a reward for a quest well done, to have people just like celebrating in the background about how good a job Mm -hmm. you did. It absolutely rocks. Yeah. That relies on you being a good person, though. It mm. could so horribly go. I imagine there's not a party at the end of every uh, way that mission can yeah, end I out. So. <laughs> I'm playing yeah. a paladin, so I'm incentivized mm. to be very nice. So, oh, yeah. Give it. Give us your full character build. So, yeah. from the start, race, so, uh, class. half elf. Because uh, okay. I wanted weapon proficiency with basically everything. Mm. Um, paladin. Uh, because like I like the idea of playing kind of a goodie in these games, mm-hmm. and it was the mm-hmm. uh, the like folk hero uh, version. So doing good, and then you know having people like talk about the stuff mm-hmm. that you've done. I think is the is the path that I wanted to go down. Um, yeah, and like similar. two hours in, there's the bit where you um, save the Githyanki that's in the cage. I don't have her in my party, so I can't remember what her name is, but. Um, she accidentally kills one of the tieflings that's uh, captured her, and that counted against my oath-breaking. So for about 10 to 15 hours, or however long that I've played, I just haven't had access to any of my lay-on-hand stuff. So I've been playing a paladin without any abilities. Um, so, so basically, if you if there's any killing in your party as a paladin mm. that breaks your oath right and i that- think so yeah i think it's that like if you do something that's clearly bad right because uh, killing i think can be justified depending on the scenario right. but i've mm-hmm. clearly done a bad thing in this uh, situation <laughs> um yeah so if you do that then this um i think at the end of combat this knight appears to you in a vision 
and oh. he uh, tells you off being an oathbreaker. And he mm-hmm. says, when you uh, like next go to camp, I'll be waiting there for you. And so I'm terrified this whole time. I'm like, I don't do long rests for a while. Um, <laughs> and so he does show up and you can uh, take on this like oathbreaker path, which kind of makes you into a necromancer. Um, oh. Or you can pay him money to get your oath back, but it's like a thousand gold. And so, like, you really gotta care about it if you really want it. And so I did. I've saved up and done it. Um, and now I'm ready to actually play the game again as the character that I've picked. I wonder what the rules are on not killing it. So, like, can you just when is that killing justified yeah, I know. in their eyes? I don't know. So like, I'm doing. I guess the, if you're um, defending innocence, right? That's a very pa- paladin mm, style thing to do. Totally. And I think it, like monsters as well. Like I've just killed a, com- a couple of gnolls, uh, and it didn't count against mm-hmm. it. So that's totally fine. But I was doing the um, the hag quest, mm-hmm. and which I think is really fun. Like the, the way it's that so you uh, you encounter her on the road is really funny. Yeah. I won't spoil mm-hmm. that. Um, but there are guys that are in that quest that seem like they're innocent, and so I was like, well, I can't kill these guys, even though they're attacking me. I'm gonna just have to knock them out. So I've like kind of paused that, but I I want to go back to it and see like what would happen if I did it. Like, it just does feel like there's so many ways for me to go across these encounters, but the way that I tackle these could also be negatively uh, beneficial to me as well. It's yeah. just cool, man. One of the things that you were mentioning there is uh, the Gif Yankee, so Lysel that's in, in the cage. Uh, when we were talking about this last week, Hardy, you were like, I I had not found Lysel when we yeah. were recording last week, and you were like, I can't believe you've not found her because she's there quite early on. Well, it turns out that uh, the game has a sense of time progression so when you have a rest and you pass on evenings and certain quests when you walk into their environment it creates almost like a ticking clock within the the bubble of that environment well Lysel is a character that has this attached to her so she's in a cage when you first find her but basically if you don't go and find her very early on she will break out of that cage and just go off elsewhere and so it That's took really me a cool. very long time to find her. Uh, I won't spoil where she is for, for anybody that's not not played it. But um, they are in a, in a very, very different situation. And recruiting them is a completely different ball game from recruiting them if you find them in the cage. So mm-hmm. there's, the, again, like this sense of reactivity in a sense of that, like the Sword Coast is a place. Like this, this beach that you've landed on is attached mm. to a real world where events do happen and there are... It's not just consequences for killing things, which is how consequences are dealt with in a lot of uh, RPGs. It, consequences for just merely existing, basically. Yeah, yeah time progresses. Stuff's, mm-hmm. stuff's happening around you. Yeah, yeah. I, You can spend as long as you want or as short as you want. As ever. Like, Matt, are you like nearly 30 hours in, but you're still in Act 1, right? Yeah, yeah so I haven't progressed to Act 2 yet. Um, I have got, from what I can tell, only one more thing left to do and that's because you mentioned that there was something Mm -hmm. and i knew that that connected to another thing that i'd seen but Mm -hmm. um i have in the time since we last spoke about it i've had things where you know in elden ring when you um first find the elevator that takes you down to Ainsel River and you're like like, when you find the depths in Tears of the Kingdom something like that yeah Yeah. so there's something that's a little bit similar to that but there are two ways into it in Mm. Baldur's Gate and I'm not going to say like where it goes three actually are there three yeah yeah I found one of them and it's pretty cool so the way I found it was is I went into this area which was hidden anyway and it was a series of tunnels and one of my characters just succeeded on a perception check and realized that it was just a wall that wasn't a wall. So I mm-hmm. walk through this wall into a secret elevator and it takes me into another section of the map that opened up, I want to say, at least three other stories that I then got yeah, to yeah. play through by just... Well, an area like probably not not as big as the overworld, but maybe like half as big. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit because you think it's small. You look at it and go, yeah. oh, it's kind of small. Then you realise that there's two of those kind of quote-unquote small bits glued together. And yeah. then you realise that there's another loading screen that will take you into another section that is basically a dishonoured level. It is yeah, so like fucking good. The dungeon. Yeah, yeah, the design of that dungeon has all of this... You know, you can leap up into the rafters and use the rafters to sneak around. And then there are little elevators that you can use. And that's got a whole storyline in it. And that's got a whole optional boss in it that is phenomenal. Like, it's one of those bosses that's got a trick to it. And when you work it out, you feel like an absolute genius about it. That's cool. So good. So, so good. 
it's just such a and I'm so glad like since we've talked about it like it hit like a million players on Steam I'm just mm. so glad people are showing they want this uh, yeah I love like, that there's an audience out there for like a classic old school pen and paper RPG digital version yeah mm-hmm. it almost feels like the equivalent of what you know you could almost draw like a weird parallel to what's happening in films like Oppenheimer came out and like this is what Nolan's been doing for years like smart like blockbusters proving people want them mm-hmm. like compared to like you know a lot of the stuff we've had uh, games isn't in the same position there's still a lot more variety and stuff in games than there has been in films in recent years but like you know you see all the free to play like stuff that people are slow like starting to reject and go against and then this game like I'd say fully formed it is a little bit buggy and I've had a couple of hard crashes mm-hmm. by no means perfectly uh, in a perfect shape but you know you've got a full what meaty 100 hour smart game there that's apart from a few games like a handful of games maybe in the last decade is unlike anything else you can play out there yeah, really I don't think I've played personally something like this since like one of the Dragon Ages I think mm-hmm. like something this like classically video gamey yeah mm-hmm. it's it, I think that's the thing as well right is it's very video gamey because it, it almost it adapts the fifth edition rules for D&D very faithfully it obviously has several concessions several changes to make it fit a, a video game better but it is very number crunchy and it embraces the fact that it's number crunchy and it loves that fact about it. When you that, like get a, an item, I've got a pair of gloves that mm-hmm. I've put on uh, Asterion that just rolls two dice and then yeah. gives you the higher attack die. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that shouldn't be a thing that you have in a video game. It shouldn't like mm-hmm. remove the artifice and just tell you, I'm rolling die now. Like that's that that shouldn't be allowed. All of game design for the last ten years has said like remove that as much as mm-hmm. possible and smooth it over. And yet it's exciting, right? Yeah. It is exciting when you find something that says you can roll two dice for this. Like mm-hmm. I can remember I did a, a section uh the the most recent section I did before I had to go away for two days. Um, the the end result of that was I got a staff that meant any magic cast with that staff rolls on advantage die, so you get two spellcasting die. Amazing, yeah. And it's like when when magic itself is already kind of like you've got spell slots, right? You can only cast so many spells a day, mm-hmm. so you need every spell ideally to go flawlessly. To mm-hmm. then get one that says like, well, you know, if that it first roll now. fucks, like yep. the next roll you you get. Um, like fantastic and, mm-hmm. and, and you know we, we spoke last week about how good the tension is behind the ability check dies like like mm-hmm. when you're just rolling to for persuasion and all of that particularly now where I've got abilities that allow me to just stack bonuses bonus after bonus after bonus and it's like I'm definitely going to pick this lock because I chose the right character for it I've got the yeah. right tools for it I've cast the right buffing spells on it I like it when there's two dice rolls and you've picked mm-hmm. a character specifically for one check, but yeah. then it'll give you a check right after it that they're not prepared for. Mm-hmm. That's really fun. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just so clever. And I will say, like, if people said last week, like, give it a go, because even if you don't think you'll like it, you may well like it. And it can be a little seeing questions about like the combat being quite hard at the start, which it can be a little like the first couple of encounters, if you're not aware of what you can like is possible in combat can be quite difficult i will say like try and get through that because i'm now like level six i think but from like level three or four onwards i was like powerful enough to feel like i had the upper hand in most fights like i didn't feel at the start of the game you kind of feel it it's almost it's very smart it's probably what they want you feel like the stranger in this land you feel at a disadvantage wherever you go whereas now i feel like i am like the one in charge if you know what i mean and it just feels so good i'm just like blasting people into chasms i will say it's a good way to defeat bosses is just push them off of ledges and push them into like lava but you don't sometimes get the cool stuff they're holding which is the downside it happened to me in a fight in the goblin uh, goblin camp where uh, will got pushed into a pit and it's a pit Mm -hmm. that was behind a locked door so i couldn't get him out until uh, combat was over and i didn't reset because i was like this is so funny like Mm -hmm. how do i like yeah yeah. well well that's one of the things right is the uh there's obviously this has ignited the debate around skate save scumming right in that if something like that happened to you it's very tempting to just reload a save Mm -hmm. right so that you can still have will in your combat encounter but I think this game is is just one of those that absolutely embraces the idea of like don't don't save scum, just roll with it because you're gonna have a story by the end of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think like when maybe two or three of us have finished the game, we can do a big old spoiler cast because we'll have completely different stories and it'll be really fun to share those. Mm-hmm. And 
I will say, like, I haven't been save scumming. I've only been doing it, like I said last week, if they're saying, like, if I want to talk to an animal just to find out if they're saying anything funny, mm-hmm. I'll re, I'll load it up to re-roll. Not doing it for, like, critical mission stuff, but, yeah, like, yeah. fun stuff like that. So I really want to know what that ox mm-hmm. had to say or something yeah. like that. But There's some um, stuff. I've got 274 save files already. <laughs> <laughs> There's some stuff where I'm like, if I want to test that something's possible, mm-hmm. but I don't want it to be canonical yeah. for the run that I'm doing, like, Absolutely. I'll do something weird to see it but i'll i'm happy for it to fail yeah yeah god it's good mm-hmm. um what's your like uh funnest like combination of abilities like what are you building characters to be able to do silly stuff to like yeah um let me have a think matt what like, like, like obviously kind of like i i think kind of mine i don't i don't like necessarily min maxing in games i don't think there's a lot of fun in min maxing um but kind of like i i agree with you that like building around like combos is interesting but like have you got karlak yet matt no i don't yeah so so karlak's like a tiefling barbarian and when you level her up there's uh, you know because leveling up in Baldur's gate is very different to leveling up in a lot of games right where it's not just about stats but you get additional properties that you can add to them and she's got stuff that's around um like different feats which is like she can like channel basically like the power of a bear or the power of a tiger and stuff like that and kind of like um essentially building all of that to allow her to have the most amount of hits possible so what you can do is you can send she's she's massive she's like built like a a wrestler basically (laughs) and you can have her charge in rage up and then create the most amount of hits that you can do loads of like bleeding effects with her as well, mm-hmm. so you can essentially turn her into pretty much like a one-hit wonder. That which rules. I, I really like that. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any magic combinations that I like. Yeah. I'm still rolling with Carlac Will and Shadow Heart. Mm-hmm. Those are my uh, three. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got good combos because they all have abilities, um, including my character. Like I kind of build a lot of my fights around just moving people around mm-hmm. and trying to move them either into poisonous gas or into lava or just off of edges so like my main character uh has fawn whip and so does shadow heart which is like mm-hmm. a whip which can basically pull enemies towards you in the oh, direction okay. yeah it's great but i basically just stand across from like bridges from them or chasms and pull them into That's chasms such a good idea <laughs> and i also have thunder wave which is a really cool bit it's like puts like almost like a cone of vision and in that direction any enemy will be flung backwards that it hits so i did that to like a group of like three like um little horrible people in a lava pit (laughs) um and then also will has got his eldritch blast which now i've upgraded so it pushes people back five meters when it hits them so i'm just basically flinging everyone around the arena that's what my style is just completely just hurling people into chasms how <laughs> good is grease by the way is oh yeah using the grease, grease spell is ab- great. grease this is, is so good absolutely a like hint back to the divinity original sin games which was so obsessed mm. with different physical properties on the surfaces and stuff like that but um slipping people up with grease and then setting the grease on fire is hilarious there was um there's a chapel that you can go to quite early on and if you go in one area you start in a little room and then the people in the room next door all hear you come in so they all start rushing through the door but obviously on turn one, there's only one of them that has got through the door. So I threw grease on the floor there. And just every time someone new tried to get in the room, <laughs> they just slipped over until I just got a pile of prone people. And then you just set fire to the grease and then they sit there for 10 turns burning. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could just talk about weird interactions that have happened all day. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Asterion is, is great as a stealth one as well because mm-hmm. you can have him... As his bonus action, you can send him back into stealth after he's done a thing, yeah, so you really, can make really him good. hide when around. But also, you can get like a, a, a spell that just makes a shitload of fog appear, so you can just get. Oh, so he's always in. got advantage. Oh, Basically, that's amazing. Yeah, but then also, like people that are firing into that fog have disadvantage on you because they can't see you. Uh, like, I've got him as an arcane trickster, so I can probably mm-hmm. get that, but probably. I don't have that spell. I hadn't thought about that, or maybe I need to do a little rebuild. Mm-hmm. There's just so, and I know, like, um, there's just so many options and things going on in this game that, like, I'm not gonna. I, I've 
admit to myself, I'm not seeing everything on my first playthrough, so why 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 bother? Like I will do a more evil run, I think. The Dark Urge does sound I wanna quite know fun. what happens if you cut Will's hand off and then see him later on in the game. I really I've gotta know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um God, yeah. Very good game. IGN underscore UK people at IGN.com if you've got any more yeah. Tell us about uh, your weird builds and your weird interactions. Exactly. <laughs> I do want to talk to someone who's properly playing Bard just to see how you get through a lot of the game, like uh, talking to people and just singing to people. One of but, the uh, yeah. one of the funniest things I've seen from Bard is someone playing a Bard and like so you can get like your loot or your flute out or whatever you've got and play and people will come around you and they give you money like they, they like they would you know as a busker would but then you can just get someone like gale to cast thunder wave on all of these yep. people that have surrounded you <laughs> oh that's evil but very fun um yeah i've kind of warned back to gale again i said at the end of last week i wasn't too sure about him i've kind of learned more about him because he's eating all of your items <laughs> yeah <laughs> have you had gale die in a combat encounter yet no, because I haven't. I haven't really used him in com- so combat. He's kept him at camp. one of one of those things like you were saying earlier, uh, Matt, about the idea of like just let you can make a save just to let something happen. I would recommend mm-hmm. making a save and just letting Gale die. I think he because has in a combat that I've done. Have you had him die? Die because they can go down, but then they have to do three that death might be saving the case. rolls. Yeah, then he's just mm-hmm. been dead. Yeah, but not so if he died. fails, if he fails all of his saving rolls something happens and it is it's weird that's it's, cool it's quite I funny think but i it might is know what it is now i know more about okay. him mm-hmm. but i want to I, I do want to see that yeah so yeah yeah i think yeah if i do a replay i'll do dark Ocean and then just use like characters i'll use like lizel gale and astera so like three i haven't been using mm-hmm. it. it'll be like not a completely new game but Mate, a largely new game i couldn't imagine playing this game without asterian is oh, he's, he's so my good. boy yeah <laughs> i love him to uh, pieces but- See, I just don't get on with them, and things have happened where I'm just I, like, mm. I could have kicked you out of camp. I love I how like theatrical he is. Like, he's the mm-hmm. perfect, like, you know, he is an arcane trickster. Like, it makes sense. Like, all of his personality works into the, like, the the class archetype that mm. he, he's labelled as. Um, God, like, I just look, like, the way he just calls you darling every time, like, you check out of a conversation <laughs> with him, it's, it's so fun. Yeah. Very good game. And, yeah. Well done, Larry. Good stuff. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. You made nice it. One. Exactly. Uh, Overwatch 2 is another game that's been made. Um, Blizzard not had quite the easy, not I say easy ride, quite the, the, the smooth time with Overwatch recently that maybe uh, Baldur's um, Gate is uh, welcome. Can you talk to me about how John Cena's involved in this? I don't even know. He's in like an advert and that's it. I think they've literally got him in an advert. Right. All right. <laughs> like Overwatch advertising is weird at the moment. Like me and Matt, we were in um, Paris yesterday, and massive uh, Garden Hall in Paris, like three massive Overwatch two billboards. Like I don't like and they're also, going massive on it over. And there. when I got back to London, when I was waiting at uh, London Bridge to get on the Jubilee yeah. line, that got another massive poster. The same yeah. poster, just in English. I don't know if they're going massive. So for context, yesterday was the launch of season six of Overwatch two. And it's significant because not only has it got a lot of the normal stuff a new season of Overwatch launches with these days, but it is the first story missions that Overwatch promised a long time ago. Overwatch 2, the whole conceit of Overwatch 2 was that it was going to be a largely PV story-led mission experience. Um, we finally got three of those missions, and I've played the first two of them. Having um, a good time. No, the missions themselves are pretty much what they promised back okay. in when they revealed mm. them so they're more um, substantial than the co-op experiences they used to do they are they're higher production value. there's more going on to levels there's like environmental damage stuff happening there's actual sto- full story cut scenes you're progressing through levels it's not just like wave based things you're actually moving through it's more like a short like you know call of duty style or mm-hmm. even like a short destiny style is probably more appropriate mission the first one is the Rio one, which they revealed a long time ago, which is a short mission. That's like 10 to 15 minutes and done, the first one. Right. But the second one in Toronto, which I just played, that was more like 30 to 40 minutes. That was a fuller mission. Okay. And it, it does, and there's a lot more enemy variety than you ever got in. If you ever played Overwatch, the whole, like, either Junkenstein's Revenge or the Omnic Crisis missions, they were quite, you know. You played it once, you didn't have to revisit yeah. them. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. They were quite one note. Um, 
these do have a bit more to them. There's actually like NPCs and people like that talking. You have to escort and protect and things like that. The missions themselves, and I've heard the third one, which takes place in Gothenburg, which is a location we just haven't played before in Overwatch, is very good. I, I'm I'm going to play it afterwards there, I think. But that one is meant to be very good and have some really cool, like big cinematic, like set piece moments to it. I will. It's just the way they've done it, isn't it? Like Overwatch is just they're just Blizzard of like. They had such a gem in their hands and they've slowly like roughened it up. Mm. <laughs> like it's the opposite of how do you polish a turd? They had a diamond and they've slowly they've covered it in turd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um like the, the problem is I've been playing a lot of Overwatch 2 the last couple of weeks and it is so fun. The game itself at the moment is in such a fun place. Like the it seems quite balanced. I'll talk about about the new hero they introduced yesterday, who's very fun, and a new mode they introduced yesterday, which is very fun, but You've got these three story missions, which I imagine in total you're looking at between, I don't know, hour and a quarter and an hour and a half to play all three. Like, that's the content you're getting this season, story mission wise. The problem is, it's not free. So, you have to pay £12 or $15 for the invasion bundle, which gets you those three story missions and a thousand credits. So, effectively, the battle pass. Those thousand credits normally cost, I think, about £8.50. So if you take that out of it, you're effectively playing about £4 for an hour and a half of story content, which, compared to some other DLCs and stuff out there, isn't the worst. But also it's just like, when Overwatch 2 was a game meant to come with story content, Mm -hmm. then backtracking on a lot of that story content and then saying, oh, and we're going to make you pay for it, by the way, it just leaves a bad taste in the mouth, doesn't it? It's just... I don't, like... It's just... There's a story to be told somewhere with the, where this what's happened with this game, but yeah, I'd the imagine missions themselves it are fun an awful enough. A lot of shareholders and people. In oh suits. yeah, <laughs> it's probably quite a dull story and annoying story more than anything. Like there's probably, but yeah, the missions themselves are fun. There's good interactions. Like I've been dying for story content over what what six years, like over six years. I still want an animated show or a Netflix show. I'm probably not going to get it anytime soon. So this is as good as we'll get like the cutscenes in between missions and they still that's the annoying thing there's still so much there to enjoy like the music's incredible there's still the odd line like they do manage to pull on your heartstrings if you love these characters like there are those little moments like blizzard animations have always been so good and like so many of those overwatch shorts like i don't know is there like 10 of them now like probably Mm -hmm. seven and eight of them can like bring a tear to your eye if you want like they they know what they're doing it's just frustrating that it's kind of turned into a bit of a mess but like i said the game itself is free to play if you've never tried overwatch i'd encourage at the moment playing it it's very fun at the moment and the new hero ilari is a healer (laughs) in pretty much all but name she's effectively a damage healer um she's of i think she's peruvian and she just she basically commands the power of the sun is her thing um so she can heal her l2 is like a healing beam that can heal people and then I think her R1 is basically like a healing turret, like a Torbjorn turret mm-hmm. that that heals people that come close to it, which is very useful. But also her main damage is just she basically kind of has like a big laser gun. It's just a bit like Ash's gun that can do a lot of damage. And also she can like do an AO, I think it AO, AOE heals people, like a big like leap, which is very useful. But her ultimate is a pure damage ultimate, which is the funny thing. You, you basically fly into the air and fire a big like ball of sun onto the ground <laughs> and anyone that's like caught in it gets damaged. That's pretty sick. And like she, she is really fun. Like she's basically a damage dealer and a healer all in one go. Like I've, a bit like Moira, like I've already, the games I've played, it's like, the person will have 8,000 healing, which is quite a bit, but also like 22 eliminations. <laughs> it's like, she's very fun. But the problem is like, will you get that much healing from her or do people just want to kill? That's the question. But I've been enjoying her a lot. And she comes hand in hand with the new Flashpoint mode, which is actually probably the best new mode. Like, I'm still not 100% sold on Push, which they introduced at Star Watch 2, which is a bit like Tug of War. Flashpoint is basically Call of Duty's Hardpoint mode. And it is very fun. It suits Overwatch perfectly, I think. So basically, there's two maps you can play it on. The the new India one is like stunning to look at. It's so good. And they're bigger maps than we've ever seen Overwatch before. And it's basically the first... There'll be four rotating points around the map that are chosen at random. And 
both teams have to go and capture that point and hold it for to get to 100%. And it's first to three of those capture points wins the game. But it like the way you can attack those points is like amazingly laid out and it you can actually come back which in a lot of Overwatch especially with push mode I find it very hard to do a full comeback whereas in this one like the first game I played of it last night we were 2-0 down but then came back to win 3-2 just with like a couple of little like hero changes it felt so good so yeah just my little PSA that if you've never tried Overwatch it is free to play and I'd recommend playing it it's just a shame that they continue to make people buy more and more of that game because it's just it's just frustrating it's such a it's still one of my favorite games but like the more it goes on the more you're just like not embarrassed to say you love overwatch but you're like you have to have the caveat of like i know it's bad in some ways but it's so it's still so so fun that yeah i'll never probably fully drive myself away I doubt, and I doubt you guys are ever going to pick up Overwatch ever again, are you? No, probably not. No, <laughs> no. The, quite honestly, like the 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 co-op. So I think it, I genuinely feel like my days of competitive multiplayer are probably sort of over. I just don't mm-hmm. don't care for it anymore. Um, but the I do love those characters. You know, I had a great time with them back in the day. But um, the way that this version of Overwatch has been built, I just don't think isn't for me. And quite honestly, as well, like. I tried to play uh, Diablo 4 as well. I've played like quite a lot of the first act, but I think the drive of that into kind of like the more games of a service sort of world it doesn't work for me. I, obviously, Blizzard has changed as a company in many respects, or quote-unquote hasn't changed depending on which area we're talking about, but there's been a lot of problem with Blizzards. But I think at the moment, this kind of drive into making much more kind of like uh, like secular style where you you just constantly have to keep coming back and playing things and back and playing things and sort of like yeah. doing it's building into games that are not what I want and we're in now I wouldn't say we're in the golden age of games that I do like but the age of games that I like being much more important are here like the Baldur's Gate is here Tears of the Kingdom is here like there are big from software games that can keep me busy for like 200 mm-hmm. hours like the armored cores around like. the corner yeah exactly right like the <laughs> moment i get too. the moment i get back from uh gamescom it's going to be like carrying on tidying up with Baldur's gate but also i'm going to have a new fromsoft game to play and it's got mechs in it i can fucking yeah. shoot missiles from like 40 feet in the sky oh, but diva probably... can do that as well yeah. so oh, <laughs> Diva's the best. i think that my uh feelings about what i want out of a competitive shooter have uh, really significantly changed like i played a lot of the finals beta mm-hmm. uh, and really loved it um and i think that kind of like fast paced uh acquisition uh like kind of combat i think that's more what i want out of shooters than is the finals Mm -hmm. the one which has got like was that the one made by the ex-battlefield people has it got sort of like collapsing buildings yeah it's got destruction and movement Mm -hmm. and uh you know it's a three 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 Yeah, yeah, almost like a bit Mirror's Edge crossed with Battlefield. Yeah, I remember yeah. it. Yeah, I loved, I loved the look of that. I've not played it. Um, that yeah. I think for me to come back to com- the competitive side, like I'm not necessarily an extraction shooter person, but I'm really fascinated by what extraction shooter is doing and mm-hmm. shaking up. And because I really liked Hunt Showdown, I haven't played Hunt Showdown for a while, but I know Matt, you like it as well. But I, I like that. That's a properly fresh take on the sort of experience you can get out of competitive shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's systems and mechanics yeah. overlapping each other, which yeah. is the thing that I actually care about in video games. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think whilst I'm not fully on board with the extraction shooters, those are the sort of thing that's probably going to pull me back. Like I played uh, like a fair bit of Call of Duty DMZ and I thought that was much more interesting than Warzone. Um, mm. But I'm more interested to see, well, what's the next evolution of these sort of more yeah. systems-driven competitive games I- where there's actually bigger objectives and more interesting kind of mm-hmm. win states than just killing yeah, things. I can't say there's a multiplayer shooter I'm very excited to play at the moment, like that's upcoming. I will the one I will keep my eyes on is Marathon yeah. just because mm-hmm. of Bungie's pedigree and that's the style of that instantly grabbed me. But yeah, none of these there's the Hyenas has maybe got one? a chance to but we've not yeah. seen anything of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like you Matt, I think apart from I think it's because Overwatch is more of a comfort blanket for me than anything. I absolutely I'm not, understand that, yeah. You know, it's not, I'm not actively, you know, trying to progress and mm-hmm. get on battle passes and stuff. Like, 
Yeah, gone on my. We've talked a lot about Call of Duty the last couple of days. Gone on my days of like, yeah, playing four hours of team deathmatch mm-hmm. just for the hell of it. I think. Yeah, yeah, obviously the last one that I was really hooked into was Rainbow Six, and I still massively admire Siege. Like again, mm-hmm. very systems heavy multiplayer game with like interesting win states and cool mm-hmm. sort of destruction and stuff like that. But I ultimately think my problem with there is I've played like 600, 700 hours of that, which I know for exactly. many people is not a lot. But for me, that is a lot of one yeah. multiplayer game. I mean, I was massively into Warzone as well. And like, I've had my fill of Battle mm-hmm. Royale now, I think. And I think if I booed up Warzone, I'd just instantly get remembered of the pandemic now and I don't need that in my <laughs> head. So, yeah. Yeah. Multiplayer shooters are in a... It's hard, it is hard to think something brand new for those, isn't it? Like, it's also more difficult than ever to break through the, exactly. the wall, right? So I think even games that... Obviously, our job is to find the interesting games and tell people about them, but even then, it can be difficult to know if something actually genuinely has a chance of breaking past the Fortnite wall, basically, and getting the players that you need for that experience to be worthwhile recommending. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. If you have a maybe an unknown or a upcoming, I don't know, first person shooter you're looking forward to, let us know, IGN underscore UK dot com. Let us know if there's anything you think that's very interesting that's under the radar. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. So wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash realm hey there this is justin bartha i made a funny new podcast king of the egg cream it has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like lewis black i'm torn by my feelings for two women bobby cannavale you can eat it or if someone hits you you can put it on your cut Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Radar, maybe. Um, do you know what's not under the radar, though? It's the biggest the biggest game on the planet. It's the end of the search. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got a question for you. Hold up the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got a question for you. Is it in the search? We have another edition of the Endless Starch to play this week, sent in by listener Christian. I'm gonna say Gwilliam. I think it's Gwilliam. 
I'm sorry if I've mispronounced it. it I heard um, it last week and it seemed like so much fun. I specifically requested it. Yeah, I you said you're not getting it. me on unless I can play The Endless Starch. Uh, if you didn't listen last week or just don't know what The Endless Starch is, it's a game where basically one letter of a game title has been changed and there are clues that hint at what that new game title could be. I'll say it again. GTA, my city, and the clue would be rodents in a big old Florida city playing game. There you go. That would have been the clue. Um, <laughs> let's just play. We've got eight of them here from Christian. He sent in. So thank you as ever. IGN underscore UK. We're back at IGN.com if you want us to play a game. Um, let's just go with it. Uh, it's just first to first to say it gets the point. So here we go. Let me just make a note of the scores because I have not done that anyway. Okay, the first clue is... After being haunted by demented versions of his own creations, the title character becomes increasingly aware of socio-political discourse. After being haunted by demented versions of his own creations, the title character becomes increasingly aware of socio-political discourse. Ah, uh, I mean, it's Disco Elysium, but what is the... Oh, it's what? not. No? It's not. No. Hmm. I, I could add an extra clue to it if you, if it's not if nothing's coming to mind. Here. Yeah, because the only thing I can think of is Frankenstein, but I think that's just because of the creature uh, bit. Okay. After being haunted by demented versions of his own creations that he's written, the title character becomes increasingly aware... Alan of Woke. Sociopolitical. Uh, is Alan yeah. Woke. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, Alan Woke. Eh? That was oh. pretty good. Yeah, there we go. Uh, that is one point to... I was going to say one point to Matt. That's no use to anyone. One point to Matt J. Um, question number two. There are many reasons to be scared of global conflict. Whether it's epic destruction, violent weaponry, or dying hordes, it's reasonable to be scared of battle. There's, there's just many reasons to be scared of conf- conflict. I think it is pretty reasonable to is be scared of it fears of, of war? It is fears of war. <laughs> this is a this is a, a an MJ game. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Come on, Matt. It, but uh, it's just up. interesting how different people the way that they write the clues. Like these mm. clues feel genuinely impenetrable to me compared to last week, <laughs> where I was doing really well with them. <laughs> we'll see. It's still all to play for. Yeah, ways, don't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've still got six more. This baby bovine animal knows what he must do. He must fight for his country. Maybe in World War Two. Maybe in the future. But he will answer. This uh, I can do it. Bovine animal. <laughs> that narrows it down quite a bit. <laughs> this baby bovine animal knows what he must do. He must fight for his country. Maybe in World War Two. Maybe in the future. But he will answer. Is it calf of duty? It oh, is that's really good. I was trying to modify duty. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it is the calf. That baby bovine. Uh, five more. Engage the FTL drive and walk billions of light years into a new galaxy and search for the perfect freshwater fish to give as a gift to a beautiful alien. Is it a bass effect? It is bass <laughs> That's effect. That's good. I think I might have done science similar to that one before. We've probably repeated some of these. Who knows? It's all fun. Two all with four left. The comeback's on. Your pet dog is pulling at his chain, eager to attack the zombie hordes. But you can't be sure what he wants to do. If only he had a way to tell you. Your pet dog is pulling at his chain, eager to attack the zombie hordes. But you can't be sure that's what he wants to do. If only he had a way to tell you. Ooh. This one's a bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. Because it's probably not the obvious game you think of when you think of zombie games. But I will say it's a more recent one. Mm -hmm. Um, but dogs can't talk though but what can they do <laughs> mm. oh god any 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 ideas <laughs> 
Your no. pot, your pet the, the only thing uh. I could think of was Day's Bone. <laughs> no, okay, it's not. It's a it's a co-op game, um, and it's not Left for Dead. Bark for Blood. It is Bark. Uh, I would have never blood. gotten that. Yeah, I gave you some extra clues. <laughs> I totally forgot that game came out. I played quite a lot of it too. Yeah, me the too. The combat's been completed. Three, two to Matt P, but three left to play. Could swing back. Three more. Here we go. The last thing a tavern musician from the old days wants is to be flung from a giant catapult. <laughs> All to attempt to destroy some large structures and the pigs inside them. It makes them really angry quite furious. It is angry <laughs> bards. There we go. That was, that was a good one. There we go. Three all with two left. Could be a draw. In this VR game, instead of cutting up the music, why not download it and store it on your hard drive? Is it... Uh... Oh, God. Beat the Saver. Should... It is Beat Saver. There we go. 4 3, it has swung. Wow, what a thriller. <laughs> one left to play. Will it be a draw? Will it be a win? Last one. In this game, you run a helpline for people who have got something sharp stuck in their finger. Playing as a man called Sam, fish around in dialogue choices to determine the best way to help. Fish in around. Game. In this game, you run a helpline for people who have got something sharp stuck in their finger. I mean, that's probably all you need. Playing as a man called Sam. I know it's it's Splinter around. Cell, but I'm, I can't find the. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in this game, you run a helpline. Splinter. Splinter, hell. splinter call. <laughs> it is Splinter Call. call. That's good. There we go. I'm sorry it's going to have to end for all, but didn't the game win ultimately? <laughs> didn't fun win? The fun was had, and it was oh, what a fun time for all. That was great. I love how you either get it immediately or, <laughs> or you'll never get it. Yeah, there's no in between. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Christian. That was fun. And we will do more games soon. Right now, though, it is time for some more feedback. IJN underscore UK at IGN.com for anything. Talk about anything you want with us, really. We'll, we'll enjoy it. Who have we got up first, Matt? Uh, this one is from Dale Hall. So, not our Dale. A new no. Dale. A new Dale enters the arena. He says, Hi, guys. Great podcast, as always. Your talk on Baldur's Gate 3 made me want to try a game genre I've never been a fan of. So, thanks for always giving honest opinions, great analysis, and being great salesmen or women for games, even if you don't try to be. I try and make sure that like the enthusiasm comes across. Like I just, I really like it, and I think everybody would. It is yeah. obviously. It, I've, I think we have waxed lyrical, and people will definitely know what we think of Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate at this point. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say my recent experience in cinema has truly put me off going to the cinema. Sorry, Cardi. Because oh. obviously, Cardi, you were saying that you, I love the you cinema. love cinema. Love uh, see on the biggest screen he can. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So Dale says that he went to see the new TMNT. Very cool film, but ruined by a child next to me. He's all for kids going to the cinema, but it's the parents' jobs to teach them etiquette of cinema going. This child constantly talked and asked questions and reacted to the film very loudly and annoyingly. For example, at one point, they shouted... I'm going to guess this is a hiya, as in the sort of like... Not a hiya. Yeah. (laughs) As in the ninja sort of uh, sound effect. I Uh, I had this joke recently where I thought about a kung fu themed restaurant mm -hmm. and they'd had a sign out front that said, now hiya-ing instead of (laughs) hiring. It's not, it's barely, barely a joke. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I gave the parents a look at one point, but they barely acknowledged it and just allowed it to continue. The cinema was very busy, so I couldn't even move anywhere else. It ruined the movie. I bet you're thinking, I'm not a parent, I don't get it, but I am. I have a two-year-old that will be taught the right way to behave in a cinema when the time comes. My dad on my first experience told me, if you're loud, the whole cinema will hate you. Harsh, maybe, but it worked. Thanks again for the great podcast, RTS and the cinema. Yeah. Um... Did we talk about this yeah. at all? About is the this trend just of... more of a social parenting issue than it is cinema going? I do I think know. that there is a trend of people that are more willing to just be on their phones in cinemas than they used to. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. think it's just a thing now. People can't just watch things anymore. Like, I, I do it at home. Like, second screen is everywhere, isn't it? It's hard to just 
sit there and watch things. Yeah, I think. I think I feel more inclined to actually watch something if I'm in a cinema because there's oh, there's, yeah. there's oh, the social contract. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, like, but yeah. I think I'm more willing to choose where I'm seeing films now to try and avoid this kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Like, I love going to the Prince Charles here. Sure. Like, it's just something that like I don't think that you would even go to that cinema if that was a thing that you were inclined no, no, that, to do. That's a place for people that love films, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the entire vibe of that cinema is designed around people that have an appreciation for the media but i mean i thought that's kind of what the curzon was nearby us now you know curzon it's a bit high end yeah well it's sort of in the same sphere as the bfi isn't it it's got that kind of like they're they're all into independent cinema and yeah doing that and so i expect when you go to a curzon particularly a curzon that you know by our office it's not in a residential area really by any means Mm-hmm. But when we went to see Barbie, I sat next to a woman that was on her phone the entirety of the one and three quarter hours that that film's on for. It's not a long yeah. time. No, and there's it's... there's action, there's jokes, yeah. there's stuff mm-hmm. happening. It's not like you can it's get bored. By no means boring. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So yeah, uh, so so I do think there's definitely like you can go out and find cinemas where you expect to find that etiquette, but also sometimes that can backfire on you. Um, actually the last two times that I've been to the Curzon it has been with people that were at Mission Impossible there were people that just spoke through the first 15 minutes of that film oh yeah I'm pretty sure a, a, a homeless gentleman or drugs that came in halfway through to sleep and then left about 20 minutes later as well so yeah, that well, was an event yeah <laughs> but but the thing is is like like the you know a homeless person turning up in a cinema is a very different issue to someone that has paid to, to yeah, adhere to, to the same social own, contract yeah, yeah. that you have than yeah. just talking through essentially the exposition scene at the start of Mission Impossible that sets up what the whole fucking thing's about. Well, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much. They keep repeating it throughout yeah, the whole film. Yeah, yeah. I am aware <laughs> of that. Having watched, yeah, <laughs> having watched all almost three hours of that film, yes, I am aware. But um, yeah, I, I wish there was uh, a more distinct uh, appreciation of particularly like the, you know what you classically call like the the Kermode and Mayo cinema like etiquette board. Oh yeah. Uh um maybe we should just have like ejector chairs in cinemas if you make a certain <laughs> decibel level you get ejected into the air. <laughs> or maybe a trap floor, I don't know. Yeah, I'm up Something. for it. Yeah. Yeah, bring back masks in cinemas people didn't speak. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't stop the phones, but yeah. Ugh, people, eh? I've got an email here from Craig Watts. He says, hey, guys, loving the pod as always. Thought I'd give you my thoughts on learning a language. We spoke a little bit about that last week, about uh, like playing games in different languages in particular. Uh, Craig says, immersing yourself is the best way. You learn pretty quick when the consequences of not understanding the local languages are dire. I lost my toothpaste en route to China, and most shops were closed as it was during the last part of Chinese New Year. I found a shop eventually and mimed the action of brushing teeth whilst grinning at the shopkeeper. He was clearly trying to sell me industrial strength glue, blatantly not toothpaste. I can only assume he didn't sell toothpaste, but didn't want to miss out on a sale. (laughs) uh, What would happen if you put super glue on your teeth? That sounds hot. Yeah, I mean, it'd stick your gums to your teeth, wouldn't it? That's, oh, I don't think I, I, that. I'm fairly sure. Well, or would you just like glue your teeth together as well? Well, like, so, to open so I think the original purpose that superglue was invented for was like in the Vietnam War to glue like wounds back together. So that's a great fact, if true. If true, like I would definitely research <laughs> that because it's like at the back of my mind and it might not necessarily, but the Vietnam yeah. War was big Too because it was. Check. It was a horrendous I'm conflict, checking. obviously. So a lot of things got invented to power through yeah. it. Um, and uh, I think superglue might have been that, but yeah, basically, like you can use it to to glue actual flesh back together. So I would imagine brushing with superglue is a terrible idea. It looked like uh, a a form of superglue was actually something during World War Two. I don't know. I don't have time to read this for Wikipedia <laughs> on the uh, creation of is it cyanoacrylate? <laughs> Whatever. I do know that it will glue yeah. flesh together because when I've built Warhammer with super glue, my fingers get stuck together. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not a fun time. Did you like playing with glue guns as a kid at school? Oh hell yeah! Fun, aren't they? Uh, yeah they used they to terrify so me because of how so hot, hot they get, and they're, they're yeah. like really flimsy glue guns. Are they're just like a little bit of plastic with this glue rod in the back yeah. you can't uh, trust me around a candle as well at dinner <laughs> if a little candle wax is coming down a candle oh, or oh, yeah. nothing better than that uh, in what way touching it yeah well like ripping a little bit off and then having a little mm-hmm. like waxy candle wax to play around oh, with while you're eating there we go 
Were um, you the anyway. sort of kid that used to paint your hand in PVA glue at school and yeah. then peel the glue off? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was good. You pretend to be Spider-Man uh, before... Uh, anyway, let's, I was going to say something. Let's carry on. Um, Craig carries on to say, Anyway, I spent eight years in China and finally cracked the language. Every day I would plan what I might need to say to someone and try to memorise those words in advance. I learned the word for toothpaste fairly quickly. I'd also try to prepare some possible replies to questions that I might be asked. I think when it directly impacts you not knowing these things, your brain remembers it a little better. I also start sticky notes on things around my apartment with the Chinese translation on them. It requires minimum effort and you see it every day. So repetition is key. That's a, that's a clever thing to do. Just, you know, if you go to the fridge, what's the Chinese word for fridge? Stuff like that. I get that. Um, I also try to relate similar sounding English words to help me remember. It's not actually massively helpful in Chinese, but there are a few. One being a kind of meat kebab that you can buy in China. The name of it sounds a bit like Roger Moore. (laughs) This made it easier to remember and also funny. Let's go and get a Roger Moore was a common sentence among my friends. I've attached a screenshot of Roger Moore. It was in another email. It did just look like a nice little like Chinese style kebab. It did look quite good. Um, look forward to the next podcast respect the sea and Roger Moore don't respect unscrupulous shopkeepers there we go I do respect Roger Moore Uh, long since gone (laughs) R.I.P yeah yeah, there we go do you think he would have supported your your campaign to be the next Bond have I I told the story of like the reason that in my Bond audition video one of the reasons Barbara Broccoli is in such a uh, bad mood is like Roger Moore died very soon before that so uh, as in within hours or mood. Uh, days or weeks mm. maybe weeks um, and I think the person that, in- that interviewed her just before me was just doing like a big retrospective on Roger Moore and she got quite sad and then Aww. I walk in like an absolute tit <laughs> <laughs> hey I'm doing a goof <laughs> yeah what do you think could I be the next Rog <laughs> uh, there we go yeah anyway We've got one more email from another Jones, I believe. Wow. Alex a Jones. Hi, There's not many going? of those, are there? No, Jones? exactly. It's very... Uh, <laughs> Uncommon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Diamond in the rough. Um, <laughs> Alex has said, in episode 708, which is the one before this one, which is very good, go check it out. It's got Baldur's Gate in it. Um, Cardi told Jesse to give season two of True Detective a miss. And just watch one and three. Uh, like for the record, mm-hmm. I like season two of True Detective more than most people. I think it's kind of okay. Certainly, more I than would me. still skip it. I would still skip skip it though. Uh, yeah, I didn't find it very exciting. Uh, yeah. Series two is undoubtedly a little bit messy and attempts to explore too many plot lines at once. But there are also some absolutely incredible performances from Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn. In particular, I find Farrell's morally ambiguous character deliberately trying to cling onto his collapsing family life to be quite moving. Won't pretend it's anywhere near the heights of season one, but I do think it's worth watching. In an age where a lot of film and TV feels designed by committee for mass appeal, there's something to be said for a singular vision from one creator, even if it is a bit uneven. Bang in theme song too. Perfect for the end of the show. Are there any TV series that you enjoy, even though you know that they're a little bit of a be- of a mess? Uh, absolutely. Is anyone, I, I've got one. If anyone, please likes. go right ahead. Um, did anyone else watch Vinyl, the HBO show? No. no. Okay, so it was the follow-up from the creators of Boardwalk Empire. So it was actually produced by Scorsese, Terence Winter, who is key of Boardwalk Empire, and Mick Jagger. Um, so it was set in 1970s New York in the music industry as the time of things were like transitioning to more sort of like hip hop and disco and punk away from like rock and roll and it's all about this Bobby Cannavale plays like a record executive in this and it's all about like trying to adjust to that time and basically it's a bit like Boogie Nights that's why I like it, it only had one season before it was cancelled had 10 episodes first episode the pilot was directed by Scorsese um, it it was uneven. It didn't. It was a little bit like direction. It's like, where are we going here? Um, but like, I just found it really funny because it kind of had that like coked up Boogie Nights energy of like, it was kind of just sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's what this show was, and it just had loads of like funny cameos from like people like young actors pretend to be like young, like Led Zeppelin and John Lennon and like people like that. Like the list of um historical figures like yeah led zeppelin were in this the carpenters like karen carpenter alice cooper presley elvis presley i think bob marley i think was in it like it's just like it was just like do you remember all these musicians from the 70s here's bobby cannavale doing coke with them and then going home to get in an argument with olivia wilde that's kind of what this show was Uh, but i enjoyed it for 10 episodes 
And maybe it would have gone somewhere and had more seasons, but I also fully understand it probably cost a lot of money and no one really watched it. Um, but yeah, it came out like, was it like 2016, I think? But yeah, Vinyl. Check that out if there's any way to watch Vinyl. Um, yeah, it was kind of fun. Yeah, there you go. Don't know if you guys have got any shows you I think like, that you know were a mess. TV's such an investment that I think, you know, if I'm not particularly enjoying it and it's only just okay. The only one I can think of is like, I think I stuck with Heroes for quite a long time after the after Ooh. all of that mess. I have watched happened. the entirety yeah. of it. Did you watch oh, the, it no. all the way through to the revival oh, they did I a few years ago? I don't think so, no. Oh, the revival is quite messy. Mm. It's not good. Um, the one that I was thinking of is, I've probably watched an awful lot of shows that I would, I, you know, I sort of like liked at the time or whatever that, that were messy, but I find, and I find these days it more fascinating than necessarily liking, but did either of you ever watch Dollhouse, which was kind of Joss Whedon's did, final? Yeah. I didn't see the second season. I think yeah. I just watched the first one. So I find Dollhouse an absolutely fascinating, like, beast, because what it is is, so for anyone that doesn't know, the, the story of Dollhouse is it's a quite horrific like system where there's a house that is full of people who've had their minds wiped um and they are essentially shopped out as escorts effectively to clients and they have a bunch of personalities on hard drives and you can plug them into them so for example like a lot of the early stuff is a kind of like oh this incredibly rich billionaire needs a girl on his arm to go to a party Mm. so you put in like you know kind of like a, a you know a spunky sort of personality into it but also there would be other examples like, oh, we need a bomb disposal expert. So we stick the bomb disposal expert in their mm-hmm. head. And it means okay. that Eliza Dushku is basically playing a different character every episode, yeah. which mm-hmm. is kind of cool conceptually. And it's one of these where it's kind of like, obviously Joss Whedon's quite a contentious character these days uh, for, for, for absolutely valid reasons. But um, also we were having a chat the other day, Cardi, about the merits of Buffy back in the day. Mm. And so obviously he is kind of like a lot of his work is based around trying to trying to do feminism as well, right? So there's a lot of interesting stuff in here about how like society treats women and how that they think they're objects and that's how the dolls are combined with the want to have the sexual sort of energy of like essentially a fetish house on it mm. combined with kind of like people waking up and rebelling against the system because the overall arc story is these people start to realize that they're actually in a house where they're just being reprogrammed every day for new uses. So it's kind of like many objects that are like fighting against each other in this wider plan. Um, But also that is fighting against the fact that it was a Fox Network show and they didn't like serialized storytelling because they were like, there needs to be a new episode of the week every week so that casual viewers can watch it. So it's also fighting about the fact that it can't progress its story very quickly. So what he did was he wrote it so that the first eight episodes are basically just episode of the week. And then on episode nine, it triggers and it turns into a serialized show where it's just telling an ongoing story for the next like four episodes or whatnot. It's a fascinating relic of like 2009-2010 television where we're switching, like HBO is starting to get traction Mm -hmm. and people want more serialised storytelling, but networks don't understand how to transition out of the, it's just got to be like CSI where there's a different case each week. It is interesting to think about that as like, if you wanted to make that show, you would just do it elsewhere now. But it's like, you wanted the, Mm -hmm. you wanted the only option that you could, but you wanted to tell it in the way that you wanted. Yeah. So you had to force a, like a square thing into a circle hole yeah exactly yeah. and you're sort of like doing it with the uh the studio that when you made firefly x amount of years ago fucking mm-hmm. aired it in the wrong order so no one knew what the fuck was going on in it <laughs> that's this ideal um yeah I, I didn't actually know the kind of concept the premise of a dollhouse it does sound quite interesting it almost sounds a little bit like i know westworld was a film originally but like westworld before the, westworld it, a little bit it's like smash westworld with joe 90 and like Joe Nye, I wasn't expecting a Joe. But that, that's what it reference. is, isn't it? It's like he put yeah. things in his glasses yeah, and yeah. wore his glasses. Yeah. That combined with like bits of Buffy and Angel, and then just like mm-hmm. sexy times, and that's Dollhouse basically. <laughs> it's a shame it apparently wasn't very good. Otherwise, it's, it, it sounds like it's it's, a, it's, yeah. it's fascinating more than and like I would watch it yeah. again for like from an academic perspective more than anything else. It's it's wild, but I can remember like really enjoying it at the time, even though it was all over the shop yeah have you got any like that matt are there any well, you nah. love your anime. is there any mm-hmm. animes that you 
they're messy, but you're like, I love this. Oh, I've got such a low tolerance for it, honestly. There's a, there's a show now <laughs> called, uh, I was talking about this with my partner last night. We started watching the first episode of it. It's called uh, Oshinoko. That's like a really big hit this year. Like everybody, it's really highly rated. We watched the yeah. first episode, which I'm just going to spoil the like the first episode of this. So we're, we're at nearly the end of the episode if you want to switch off now. But um, it's about a doctor and his cancer patient that both die and they're reincarnated into siblings that are um, the children of an idol who uh, it's a secret that she's given birth to kids and she's then killed and it's about the two of them trying to solve her murder because they remember who they were before they were killed and it's too much it's too many <laughs> concepts all converging on each other i can't do it there we go yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know where to mm. yeah where to go with that yep. yeah it does sound interesting do you know what i've been thinking recently maybe i need to give anime a go maybe i need to do it mm-hmm. i'm thinking i'll go for one or more of your ones i might do it because i know it's meant for a good and it's actually ending soon so maybe i could catch up before it ends it's maybe i'll do maybe i'll give attack on time i think you'd actually really like it yeah, I might I might do Attack on Time. Mm-hmm. That's only I say only. It's only like eighty episodes, but they're like mm-hmm. twenty minutes, aren't they? So yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. You know. And uh, the yeah. the strange thing about the way that people have been watching it for the last ten years is that like a season will come out and then maybe not be available for four years. So if there was plenty of time yeah. to catch up with it in the meantime, so yeah, there we go. I might I might do it. I'm not I'm not promising anything. I've barely got time to sleep at the moment. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe I'll watch an anime at some point in my life. Yeah. Who it's knows? about as good as it gets. I think it'll give you a false expectation of how good yeah. the rest of them are by <laughs> oh, watching the yeah, best yeah. one. Oh well, I'll watch one. Is, yeah. is is it your favourite one then if it's the best one? God, it's really high up there. I mean my favourite's Mob Psycho one hundred, but right. um yeah, Attack on Titan. Like I, I uh because the first season came out and then like uh season two was four or five years, I sort of forgot about it. And so mm-hmm. I recently, I think during the pandemic, I picked it back up again. And I realized just how much I love it. Like It is just a type of narrative storytelling that really doesn't get done. And it's so efficient. And the stuff that it's drawing from is really specifically mm-hmm. like, uh, man, it just, it really works for me. It, yeah. it is yeah. so cool. Even I've watched the first season of Attack mm-hmm. on Titan. Again, it probably because it took so long. places yeah. is the thing. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes an entirely it. different show. Well, I, I started- was thinking about... Oh, I was about to say I started watching it because this is, and this is like way I don't even know if I was a games journalist at the time when I started watching it, but just someone told me it was like, oh, it's anime Game of Thrones, like everybody dies all the time mm. and they're really shocking deaths. I was like, that's okay, right. that sounds yeah. cool. Yeah, I'll do. I'll give it a go. I will give it a go. The other one I was thinking was Evangelion because that's like sixteen episodes. I like. Yeah. I like Evangelion. Mm-hmm. It's very. Good. Oh yeah, the mech show you like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I literally watched it because someone told me it was like, oh, it's it's sad kids being forced to fight in mechs, and I was like, sounds my jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it if I like Diva? Will I like Evangelion? Yeah, I think there's okay. no Diva without yeah Ava's existing. Okay. They're, they're more monstrous than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. I've only just in my head put together why she's probably called Diva because it's like Eva. Um, maybe, mm. I mean, I guess the diva is the like she is a diva, but yeah, maybe but the Ava is like maybe it's a little possibly. Yeah. I think people probably, this is probably something no <laughs> people know seven years. Oh, ago, what I will it? what I will say is is that Diva's like suit is very similar. Like the the one that she wears herself is kind of similar to what the pilots of the Avas wear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a yeah. very skin tight like plug in suit. Yeah, I'll watch one of those. Might have to subscribe to Crunchyroll. <laughs> I think never thought. I think Ava's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, and is all it, of yeah. the yeah. the rebuilds are on, which are the film versions of it. They're on Prime. On Prime, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, there we go. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll dip in some anime at some point. Yeah, I think in my life. People never soon. talk about how fun Ava is as well. Like it's normally like oh spectacle and like mm-hmm. mythology stuff, but it's just fun too. Lovely. Until it gets well, really get. sad and, at the end. Oh yeah, it sucks <laughs> at the end. Oh, very bad time. Bummer. Um, should we have the theme song from season two of True Detective? No, let's have the Ava theme song. <laughs> Hell oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Alex. Yeah, you've been usurped there by uh, some anime, but it will happen every now and then. Yeah, let's listen to a bit of that. Uh, hope everyone has a lovely week. But yeah, mm, for now, bye. We gotta go. Goodbye. Da-
contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.